Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We were joined by Adam Hills, the last leg presenter and comedian, who has returned to the world of rugby league. He had a story to tell about his documentary, didn't he? Yeah, and talking of documentaries, Rob Sloman has directed a film about Everton in the yeah. mid-80s, Howard Kendall. Howard Kendall, yeah, called Howard's Way. It was a very good uh, chat with him, so uh, we'll uh, take you back to the heady days of uh, the mid-80s. And also... We had a bit of a chat. We got you involved this afternoon. Mm. You're impromptu cab rides when you've had a few beers. And uh, we had a, quite a lot of those right in the Talksport heartland, that was, definitely. And we so, had a few beers on the show because we were back in the pub garden. Well, we, we had a couple of sips and yeah, right, yeah, a right. pair of soaks. But anyway, we were back in the pub garden <laughs> with Green King. Here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Andy. Normally at this point, you, you regale us with tales of all last night's European football, but I suppose, you, much like me, yeah. you've, you've been playing catch-up this morning, watching the highlights. Babe. No, I didn't even bother. Oh, OK, fair I, enough. Well, there, were, there weren't that many issues, really, to be resolved. Atletico no. got through, and Atalanta did well after losing their first three games. Yeah, that is impressive. That's really impressive. So they got through in City's group. So yeah, City good. were, you know, that was just a nice, neat and tidy job. No great surprises there. Mm. I, I'm sharpening up for Arsenal on Sunday. Well, I, more on that tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, have, I have my theories. The, um, the Tottenham game, I am with Jose on this. He said, I hope the fans understand. Well, I think we do. Um, you know, you can't keep flogging all these players over Christmas. We were through. It was a chance to have a look at some guys yeah. that weren't getting oh, games. Right and he thing, said he's found out a bit about one or two players and unfortunately for them, he's he's probably <laughs> realised <laughs> they're not quite ready to step up. Celso yeah. an interesting one. Again, he's one of those players that maybe within a good team might be shining more, but... Um, also, he's an Argentinian player bought and wanted by an Argentinian manager, so, you know, it's going to be hard for him. He's going yeah, to impress Yeah, there's going to be a period of unsettling. Jose, I mean, yeah. Jose has said some nice things about him. He says, he, look, he knows he's a good player and uh, he's going to take him a while to settle, but didn't set the world alight. From what I saw of kind of extended highlights today, Sessignon uh, took his goal well and was the sort of standout of the boys like that him. came in. I think he's a good player, Sessignon. Yeah. He's got a really good prospect. Anyway, I'd like to congratulate uh, Time Magazine Person of the Year, Greta Thunberg. Uh, yeah. and, uh, Greta, great. no, Greta, Greta Thunberg. 
Greta Thunberg. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Time magazine person. It's quite aggressive, I think, I think well-deserved. Yeah. But I just can't believe it wasn't Gemma Collins. They didn't give it to the I'm GC. absolutely gutted. Didn't get Time Woman of the Year. <laughs> no. What about that? Person of the Year it is now. She'll be kicking like. off. She'll be kicking off about that, the GC. <laughs> She'll be phoning the, the Time office, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt at all. Yeah. And uh, did you know, have you heard of this thing called property porn? This is where people go on a property website, like yeah. Rightmove or something like that, and they view famous, try and find famous people's properties that are up for sale. Oh, yeah. And so they get a lot of hits, but of course nobody's actually going to buy it. So this was Andy Carroll's 4.95 million Essex home. Which oh, had, yeah. The full-size football pitch, velour-clad cinema room, uh, the nine-bedroom Chigwell mansion was also the most viewed property on right move last year, but still failed to sell. He's actually, it's quite amazing. He's got a replica, I can see why people do this, because it is fascinating to see how other people live. Yeah. A replica Angel of the North in his front I, yeah, I knew about that. I've Did heard you? That, There's been a story that, yeah. about that in the past. Yeah, yeah, I've amazing. seen that. So, uh, yeah. Well done to uh, it's the sort of thing that, that. It's the sort of thing that I think you do. I, I, just out of a bit of interest. I mean, well, now I might. Now, well, now I know about it. Now you've seen <laughs> it. I think you might be quite. Hours online. You might be quite tempted. <laughs> yeah. There is this thing yeah. where people um, they just go and view properties just for fun, mm. just to be a bit nosy. So they'll just go on the property website and then, or they'll book an appointment to go and see house when they've got no intention of moving. Yeah. They just want to snoop around other people's yeah. houses. That's it. Really. That's a weird thing, isn't it? It is weird. Really, um, you know. Also, something might get you going on today. Um, uh, I, I, uh, one of my sons, I spent his blushes uh, which one it was um, fell asleep on the train last night and found himself getting a cab back quite quite, <laughs> quite late from uh, a station after the last train and it is that time of year there was another quite hefty cab ride by a member of the talk sport uh, team yes. but we'll spare his blushes as well <laughs> but it is that time of year isn't it where you, you go to a Christmas yeah. do um and you fall asleep. Maybe drink has been taken. You fall asleep on the train, yeah. and you find yourself with a very uh, expensive, unscheduled cab ride. So we thought we might uh, pull a list together today of uh, the most expensive uh, emergency cab rides ever. Those moments when mm. I mean, I don't mean an emergency. It was like a mercy dash to someone's bedside. I'm talking purely about those where maybe you've had a drink, you're a bit tired and emotional, and uh, you've got off the train. When's the next train, mate? Or oh, tomorrow morning at seven o'clock. <laughs> it's not Ah, okay. Local cab firm, Kaching. Um, and uh, so, tell us your stories this afternoon. And in what circumstances did you have a, a very expensive, uh, unscheduled cab journey? Talksport.com forward slash H and J. Text to eight ten eighty nine or tweet to TSH. It's not the sort of thing Andy does, so he, you can't really buy into this. Have you no. ever done that before? No, never done no, that. No, I don't, I don't get that. So, you know. Far too sensible. Yeah, I am. I've never just try, I've never seen you. Uh, the only only yeah, Russia. I was only in Russia when you when you th- decided to have a few lunchtime vodkas. <laughs> Hammered. <laughs> that was. There's a reason just, why I don't get drunk because I'm I'm quite aggressive. You're quite imagine. yeah. You're quite a chippy, chippy. quite I'm a chippy really drunk. Chippy. And he was trying, he was trying to kind of mix it up with some sort of Russian. I thought it's not a good idea. <laughs> End up in a cell. So, yeah, some big Russian bloke came and insulted Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, we'll, we'll leave that yeah. there. Talksport.com. Text eight ten eighty nine. Tweet TSH and J. With your stories this afternoon. I was watching the Bangladesh uh, league and uh, what's this the their, their version. Of the T20, yeah. Yeah, and uh, this bloke bowling now, Frylink, I've never heard of him, but he looks a bit like, as if, it, you know the bloke we were talking about yesterday who played tennis, he's never played tennis before. Yeah. He's quite overweight for a fast bowler. 
Still, he seems to be doing okay. Yeah, he's Paul doing Paul Nixon, it. the uh, coach there. Yeah. Uh, news from Italy. Former Italy and Rangers midfielder Gennaro Gattuso has replaced Carlo Ancelotti. You may know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were going to appoint someone else. But as Fred Truman would say, they had an obligation to Gattuso. <laughs> was, you. Yeah, you've got to be a bit long-term to get that one. Well, certainly. some people would have yeah, got it. Yeah, some people would have got it. You didn't. You can go back and look at old episodes of this show. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, available really in the archive. That desperate. <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Um, I think it's tomorrow night on Channel 4. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Yeah, uh, a documentary called Take His Legs, and it's uh, Adam Hill's last leg uh, presenter, uh, and his return to rugby league. And Adam joins us now. Adam, good afternoon. G'day, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. So, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing uh, this tomorrow. Yeah, when, did you, when did you start playing again? This all so this all came about at the end of 2017. Uh, I just got a tweet from someone saying, "Did you know the South Sydney Rabbitohs won their physical disability disability rugby league game on the weekend?" And I didn't even know there was a South Sydney Rabbitohs disability team. It's the and I grew up following the Rabbitohs, so I called them up straight away and said, "Hey, I've just heard about this disability team." you know, can I help? And I mean, I might be 48, but can I play? <laughs> and they kind of said, well, yeah, you can help, but I don't know if you can play because you live in London and we're based in Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, but look, we've just been contacted by the Warrington Wolves. They want to set up England's first physical disability rugby league team. Maybe you should give them a call. So all from that one little tweet, I ended up playing rugby league again. Wow. And so wow. You, you were there at the inception of this, and you were there right from the start of this, this team. And does, does a documentary sort of tell that story? Well, yeah. So the next thing I did, even before I called the Wolves, was called uh, this documentary maker, um, a guy called John McKenna, who is a St. Helens rugby league fan, mm. but also directed the first three series, The Last Leg. So I knew that he had his head around disability sport, And then we got on board a director called Pete Thomas, who basically invented the last leg for the Paralympics in 2012. And between the three of us, we went, right, if something happens here, because we just knew as soon as you have disability and sport together, there are amazing stories. Hmm. So we said, right, let's just take a camera and we'll film everything and we'll see what happens. So, uh, pulling the... I want to ask, Adam, yeah, sorry, you, you, you're pretty well known from your work on TV and the stand-up and everything like that. So when, when you played against the opposition, you played against Leeds, did they sort of know who you were? Did they sort of like thought... Oh, were well, you a bit of a marked man? Yeah, exactly, target. I didn't realise till afterwards, but yes, I was absolutely <laughs> a marked man. I think the only, thing, the only thing English people like hitting harder than an Australian is an Australian who thinks he's famous. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's and a so, nice shot of you uh, scoring a try. I mean, so you obviously went quite well. I, I did all right. I mean, mm. I ended up playing on the wing because it turns out for a disabled person, I'm actually relatively quick. Um, but it was a real... It was a real baptism of fire. I didn't realise, and I'll be honest, even having seen them play in Australia, I don't think they have the level of physicality that we have over here now. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, And and that's the other thing. When you you say the level of physicality, people think because it's disabilities, it's probably not that hard. But I guarantee, like everyone that's been to a game, when we played at Anfield for the Magic Weekend last year, we played 10 minutes in a half-time game. And... uh, the amount of tweets I got from people afterwards going, I had no idea it was going to be that rough. That is actually proper rugby league. Yeah. Wow. Well, you would kind of, you'd kind of expect that, really. Yeah. If, if these people want to play the game, they want to play it hard, won't they? That's why they love the game in the first place. That's exactly it. We all turn up. I mean, in Australia, the rules are if you've got a prosthetic, you can't play contact because 
each team has two non-contact players because it might be someone with a head injury or a spinal injury. But we found out about that rules and I thought, I mean, I've got a prosthetic leg, but I wanted to play full contact. Why, why play rugby league if you're not going to smash each other? So, um, yeah, it, it was. you're exactly right. That's why we played in the first place. I mean, it's not Sydney, but London to Warrington is, uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a good few hours on the train, three hours on the train or so, or two and a bit. Yep. So you're, you're doing that on a regular basis. Every Tuesday I go up for training. It takes me an hour 45 to get to Warrington. Mm. We train for an hour and a half, and then it takes me two hours to get back to London again, <laughs> to the point where I turned down an invitation to Prince Charles's 70th birthday at Buckingham Palace because it was training night. <laughs> Seems fair enough. And what did the boys make of that then when you, you told them what you were missing for training? They probably they thought just as well, did they? Oh, well, they, they all, they think I'm an idiot <laughs> because I keep turning down these, you know, like awards nights and stuff like that. I mean, to be honest, the last two BAFTA awards, I played rugby league in the afternoon and got changed on the train back down to London <laughs> without even having a shower. That's oh, nice. <laughs> There's some brilliant stories within this documentary. I'm reading here that about a guy called Dan Phillips. Tell us about his story because that's incredible. I mean, tales of courage and bravery, really. Well, Dan turned up for the first open trial and he was an above-knee amputee and he'd lost his leg in a, in a traffic accident. He was riding a bike and he was basically run over by a lorry. And he played rugby up until his accident. He hadn't played since. Turned up at the open trial, which was just meant to be a game of touch. There was no contact. And the first time I ran at him, he went in with the shoulder. And then every time after that, he and I hit each other a little bit harder and a little bit harder. And he just, afterwards, he said, I haven't been smashed like that since, you know, my accident. It made me feel alive again. So he played in our first ever game against Leeds. He did himself so much damage, they had to re-amputate his stump afterwards. Wow. Um, and, but he would still come down to training. He'd still come down on his crutches and watch. And his wife was so worried that he was going to get out there and start playing again. She hid his prosthetic leg. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I'm not, without a word of a lie. And I said to him, but you know where it is, right? And he went, no, I honestly don't know where it is. <laughs> she hides it every Tuesday so that I won't train on it. Oh, <laughs> so as you were the first, Adam, how many other teams are there now? Who are the, who are the opposition? Well, we were first, Leeds came next, and then Wakefield, and then Castleford, and then Wigan. Mm. So in 2018, when we started it all, we all played a bunch of friendlies. I think we won three out of four. So then we set up what was going to be a friendly against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And I had this big dream of I'd go out to Australia, I'd finally get to play for the Rabbitohs against the Wolves. But when I got there, I thought, I don't think I can play against my teammates. (laughs) And I'd had dinner with Russell Crowe, who owns the Rabbitohs, and he said, listen, mate, in, in his Russell way, listen, mate, you've got to earn the jersey. You can't just, you can't just turn up and you're suddenly a Rabbitoh. You've got to train with them. You've got to work with them. And I went, I know, I don't know what to do. And about a month later, he texted me and said, tell you what, how about I sponsor your jersey so that you can play for the Wolves, but you can still have the South Sydney Rabbit on your chest. Oh, nice one. That's cool. So I got to run out at ANZ Stadium, play with all of my mates, but still with the Rabbit on my chest. Mm. And are there plans for maybe some of the other sides to to get their own physical disability team as well is that kind of likely to grow yes we're hoping i mean the same time that all this happened um learning disability super league kicked off as well Mm. so there are about half a dozen learning disability teams going around as well but yeah we we and that's that's part of why i got involved i mean as much as i'm loving playing and i am it's completely changed my life my initial thought was at the very least i can shout about this and i can tell as many people as possible about this so I'm hoping that the docu- once the documentary goes out, a few more teams pop up. 
But also, I'm hoping that people just realise the amazing work that the foundations do. Mm. Because having seen it firsthand, you know, I didn't know there was a Warrington Walls Foundation. They have a dementia-friendly cafe. They have dance classes for the elderly. They have learning disability football. They have all this amazing stuff that goes on throughout the community. And same for all the other clubs as well. And so when you see that, you realise that places like Warrington, the Warrington Wolves aren't just a rugby league team. They have a foundation that feeds into the community that then feeds back to the team. Mm. It's great, isn't it? Have you, have you tempted uh, Alex into a, uh, a game, your co-host Alex Brooker on the, on the show or not? He did. Well, he played for Leeds in the first ever game. Oh. He came on. He was only on for about five, ten minutes. Um, but he did have a run. And, there, I mean, there's a great photo going around of him running past me, and I look like the angriest man on the planet that, he, <laughs> that, that has happened. It's good. I'd imagine you'd quite like to get Josh out there, wouldn't you, really, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, to, uh, to give it a crack so he can take a couple of big hits? I sent Josh a copy of the documentary, and he just texted me back saying, I love it, but I've never been more convinced that that is not the sport for me. <laughs> probably, probably a good point. So... Uh, 11.30 tomorrow on Channel 4, we can see Alex, is that, um, um, uh, Adam, is that right? Yes, 11.30 yeah. tomorrow, it's after the last leg, so I think hopefully, you know, if you like the last leg, if you like disability and you like sport, then this is absolutely up your alley, because as you say, when I first started filming this, I thought this would be a heartwarming story of a, you know, 49-year-old comedian living out a dream. And then pretty early on, I realised, oh no, this is a story of a whole team full of people you get to know all the characters. Like I said, Dan, who had his stunt reamputated, all the guys that are that are playing, and you get to know them throughout the documentary. And that's that's what we knew all along. It was going to be their stories, not mine. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Paul Hawksby, Andy Jacobs here on Talks. But as we were saying uh, earlier on, when um, when uh, Duncan Ferguson was on the uh, touchline the other day for uh, Everton, he was mm. wearing uh, his old gaffer, Howard Kendall's watch. They were great friends, and uh, Howard's wife had passed it on to Duncan. It, it wasn't working, but it was just a little piece of uh, Howard. So uh, I suppose that kind of tells you, as if you needed telling, just what he means to Evertonians. There's a new film called uh, Howard's Way, uh, telling his story. Uh, they speak to many of uh, the players that played under him. And this is just a flavour of it from uh, the trailer. Howard Kendall was introduced as Everton's new manager. And I have been appointed today to bring success to Everton Football Club. So his positive influence actually changed the way we played. Howard Kendall was tactically so aware. I had to run through a brick wall for him. That's what wins you big titles. Come on, bros. Yeah. Got the light at the end of the tunnel. Once you walk down that tunnel, nothing else mattered. You were going in as a gladiator. There we are. Joining us now, mm. uh, the director of the film, Rob Sloman. Good afternoon, Rob. Hi, Paul. Hi, Andy. Good to Hi, see yeah. you. Good uh, reaction to this film. I'm reading a review here in the Liverpool Echo. They call it a 109-minute masterpiece. Uh, do they? Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it, it has been, a, um, uh, it's been a, a very positive reaction to it, which is obviously very pleasing. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. We were chatting about uh, Manuel Pellegrini earlier on and managers on the brink, and mm. people forget, of course. Oh, they had a lot of yeah. great success, but... Uh, Howard was, you know, I mean, he was probably a game away, a cup game away from getting getting the push because the crowd had turned on him, hadn't they? The crowd had turned. Uh, I think there was one particular game where they were throwing cushions down. Um, crowds were down to about 10,000. Um, and, yeah, I think he was very close. I mean, the, the chairman at the time was um, uh, Philip Carter, and he said it wasn't the case, that he was always going to back him, but 
yeah, he was probably uh, a cup game, as you say, away from um, yeah. from going. Yeah, well, it's sometimes it's worth sticking with the manager. Well, yeah, it's mm. always it's, it's a, a different a, world though now, isn't it? You, yeah, know, you yeah, can't, yeah, especially yeah. with social media. And of course, he was a club hero, so that mm. that bought him probably a little bit yeah. more time. Had he not been, he may not have been there at that stage, and well, given the the time to do it. Yeah, I, I, the, in the in the film, um, Andy Andy Gray and Peter Reed talk about the fact that there were there were probably three key games um, all around the sort of Christmas New Year period. Um, culminating in the Oxford uh, game in the League Cup, which mm. a lot of people, the Milk Cup, which a lot of people talk about, where Adrian Heath got a late equaliser and, and things sort of blossomed. It was a back from pass, was it? An infamous it was. back Kevin, pass that. Yeah. The, Kevin the Brock. Played, Thank you, Kevin Brock. Yeah, yeah that yeah, turned, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. turned it around. They turned it around. Everton. It's got his, their own place in history. What did What did the players say then? Did they could Could they explain how it all suddenly came together? I think uh, th- there were sort of three um, different parts to the dressing room. Um, <laughs> A team, B team, C team, um, and that was actually based on. on on their drinking capabilities, I think, but it also had a had a bit to do with their personalities and the and the quieter ones like Trevor Stevens and Gary Stevens, um, Kevin Richardson. They were waiting for uh, they, they they needed a bigger character to come into that dressing room and um, and Andy Gray came into the in, into that dressing room around about November December of, of eighty three mm. and along with Peter Reed getting fit again because he'd come to Everton, got injured, hadn't really been in the team. Those two, I think, helped the younger guys come through because Kendall and, and Colin Harvey would always say that they could see it on the training ground, but it just wasn't happening on, on the pitch. And confidence is a, is a big thing. And, yeah. um, and Andy, even if he... I mean, he said that he wasn't sure himself whether he still had it. I think he was 28 with damaged knees. Um, but, you know, he, he was a strong enough character to, to bring the others with him, and Peter Reid in particular, and, um, and Adrian Heath um, said to us that they, those two would do anything to win a game, mm. anything at bring, all. Bringing in a big personality mm. mid-season is, is, again, a re- pretty high-risk strategy. Mm. I mean, you know, I think of um, Rodney Marsh at City and all that. It's just mm. sometimes, that, do- sometimes that doesn't work. Mm. You know, it doesn't always work, does it? Well, I, I, think, it w- I think it was a gamble for Howard then. I don't think yeah. Everton had a lot of money. No. Um, so uh, I think he had a short list of three. I think Bob Black Ratchford was uh, he was my first Everton hero, but um, but a very different character to Andy. And I think Paul Mariner was uh, was on the list as well. And, and obviously he went for Andy. And the personality that he was, as much as anything else, um, I think was was a big big help for Everton at, at that point. But it, it was a gamble, and Andy Gray thought it was a gamble too. So, but but it, it paid off because they were still in a couple of cup, cup competitions and. Um, and gradually, I mean, they got through against Oxford, so they're in a semi-final. They had a relatively kind FA Cup draw, and then suddenly you're 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 close to Wembley in two competitions, and uh, and things sort of went from there. Yeah, presumably it's quite a lot of footage of the team because at that time TV was starting to. I know there weren't that many live games, but. You know the games were covered, weren't they? Yeah, uh, yeah, not to the degree they are these no. days. I mean, I think in the season that they won the title. Um, uh, Everton barely featured. I, I remember. I mean, I knew this anyway. But looking at the the archive, you know, when they win the title against QPR in '85, it's news coverage. It's not. There's no match of the day. Or it was. It, they won it on a Monday, but the coverage is very limited. Single camera stuff. So it was very very different back then. But yeah, when when they're on the march in the cup competitions and um, and in those days, obviously. Uh, grandstand or, or um, uh, world of sport used to make the whole day on, on cup final day was mm. was a special occasion on air at 11 o'clock I think the programming before that uh, swap shot was FA cup final swap shot Freddie so Stars yeah, Star uh, exactly and that's, yeah, so Freddie yeah. Freddie Stars <laughs> Freddie Stars in the film for because of the morning of the 84 yeah. final when Everton finally gets some silverware um, he's on the lawns outside their hotel running around in 
and vintage football costume, yeah. Yeah, and it, it buys into that narrative that if you win one trophy, mm. it sort of begets other trophies as well because it, it, they then go on and have an amazing season of the league and the, and the yeah. Cup Winners' Cup, don't yeah. they? He yeah. must have been quite young, Howard Kendall, at this point, because I remember seeing his debut in the 1964 Cup final, wasn't it? And he was the youngest player to play He was play at that point, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was Preston, yeah. He was at 17, so this 20 years later, 37, quite young. Well, he, when he first came back to the club, he was still player-manager. I think his record was pretty good as a player, mm. um, as a player manager. I don't think he, they, they lost a game, but he was, you know, he was trying to to build a team at that point so that he he didn't need to play. Mm. And you know, it, it wasn't like it happened overnight. They he brought in. Um, we talk about it again in the film the magnificent seven players in the first summer that he was there, and of those seven, only Neville Southall did did well at the club. Um, the rest not so good. Yeah. It, it, mm. In the end, though. Uh, um, they couldn't really build on that to the no. extent where they won the, they, they yeah. lost the title then won the title again in 87 but after that I think maybe the frustration of no European football mm. after Heisel kind of led him led that to him to go and that team to start to break up a bit I, absolutely I, I think um, uh, what happened with Heisel in 85 there's an argument to be said that, that, that as a club Everton have never really recovered from that mm. you know yes they did win the league in 87 but it was a very much a patchwork team even then you, you could you could say that that winning the league in 87 was an even greater achievement because he didn't have any of his or he didn't have I think he lost five or six of the of the 84-5 team to injury that season and um but yeah after um after Heisel and, and where they were you know they won the league by 13 points they beat Liverpool three times didn't concede a goal they they'd established themselves as as England's best team by what by by a distance and then obviously couldn't kick on and I think if you if you look at the player profiles, to, to have uh, the profile that some of, say, the Liverpool guys from that era have now, you have to win a European Cup. Yeah. Mm. You know, and, and they had a chance of doing it. I'm not saying they would have, they, but I would have backed them to, to do quite well. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those guys, Trevor Stephen made the point um, that they didn't really establish themselves as individuals, as, uh, let, let alone Everton as a team, that, you know, what would they have become? Where would they have gone on to do? Would they have become managers and, and all, all the rest of it? Because they, they were sort of cut off in, in their prime. He went back again, didn't he, for a second spell? Yeah. After, and a third, yeah. Yeah, yeah. after yeah. Colin. Not Harvey. so good. We don't talk about that in the film. Yeah. <laughs> it, Are you an Everton fan, but I am, yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah, I might be. Yeah. 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 And did you, did you meet? Howard along the way? No, uh, well, I, I, I did. It's got nothing to do w- with this, but uh, yeah, when I was working on a, on a newspaper, the Surrey Herald, um, back in the early 90s, I, I met him a couple of times and, uh, and didn't, I didn't do too well. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, this, the lovely stuff in the film is, um, is when you take the boys back to Goodison, some mm. of those players, and you've got some stuff of them in the tunnel talking yeah. about what it's like to play for the club. And yeah. Ke- uh, Kevin Sheedy's out there, the boys are out on the oh, pitch yeah. and yeah, stuff. Sheedy, so yeah. that's yeah. nice. Uh, th- that must have been a lot of fun to do. Oh, it was brilliant. Um, we, uh, we took four of them to talk about the Bayern Munich game because obviously that, to, to any Evertonian from that particular era and even now you know everyone harks back to that as being the greatest night mm. in their history um, so we had uh, Andy Gray Graham Sharp Peter Reed, and, and Pat Vanden Howe yeah. um, all uh, basically in the tunnel coming out walking down just talking about that night um, and then um, Sheedy was a nice one he was my favourite player in that side he had yeah. um, fantastic ability Neville says that he was our Maradona or Messi mm. um, Neville Southall says that and um <laughs> We uh, we took him back there. I wanted to recreate his um, 85 free kick where he put it in the 
top corner referee said take it again I wasn't ready and, and he put it in the other corner so, <laughs> yeah, that's it. are you uh, planning to make a film about last week's victory over Chelsea <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. do you want me to and no. you're going to go and see it if they no, do I can't wait yeah. I think it's one of the few things that we could make a film about um, in the last 30 odd years to be honest yeah, yeah. We, we were um, we were talking to Gordon Cowns yesterday uh, he was in the studio and they were talking about uh, Ron Saunders and we, we lost Jim Smith this week yeah. and they were both seemed to be both managers that were kind of loved by their players and that line that we hear I think was Reedy saying mm. I want to run through a brick wall for him and I think mm. you know it seems that Howard Kendall at that time of this set of players was just the same I think his his the key to it for all of those players was his man management mm. I mean he had very very different individuals in that team you had the guys that probably didn't need a lot of chat themselves like Andy Gray and Peter but you had people like Pat Van Den Howe, who's a very different character quiet guy yeah um, and uh, he said the first time he, he met Howard, he was just struck by what a nice man he was, you know. And uh, all of them talk about that. Trevor Stephen said that he, he felt like he was a father figure, um, and, and he obviously had a, a big part in these players and bringing them out of their shell a little bit. I mean, there was a the culture in, in that team and in football at that time was to, to go out and enjoy yourselves in the evening, and I think that team, led by Howard, did a lot yeah. of that, a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, right. And but he went off to Spain, didn't he? People mm. forget the fact that after Everton, the first time he went off to Bilbao, didn't he? And managed, coached over there. Yeah, he wanted he wanted European football, mm. and um, having had a taste of it and done so well in the Cup Winners' Cup in in '85, uh, and knowing that you know there was no prospect of it, I think it was even at that stage, even '85, they knew it was a sort of minimum of of five years, and I think he wanted to test himself. Yeah, um, I, I think he I think he was very he's very popular over there even now, Howard. Um, but um, but yeah, did come back a couple of times. Yeah, I mean guys like him and you know Shankly and Nicholson mm. and Busby and Ferguson and Wenger, they make it very hard. Don't they? You've got a lot to live up to when you go in and coach a mm. club where one man has been such a dominant presence. I think. Yeah, um, but it is. I mean, if you think of Wenger, he came in um, not long after George Graham, yeah. and, and still, man, you know, pe- George Graham won a couple of titles course, there. So yeah, I think yeah. there is. You know, it's been long enough. We, <laughs> I think it's it's fine for us to find a successful manager again if there's one out there. So who would? What would you do? Oh. Would you stick with Duncan now? Would you? Would you like to see uh-huh. come in? Do you want? The, the... Well, uh, I would certainly. It, it's difficult, isn't it? After you've you've done what you did against Chelsea on on Saturday, and I was there for that, and it was an extraordinary atmosphere. And um, Chelsea were good, weren't they? Didn't three <laughs> goals or anything like that. Yeah, that was very good of them. Yeah, yeah, um, nice than Christmas. I think the start was important for us on Saturday because yeah. the ground was ready. They they were willing Duncan on, and then we get a goal early on. But um, the difficulty is you maintaining that. The momentum is is great now, but mm. you you know it could come to a halt yeah. on on Sunday. But um, I would for me, we got three home games after that, and and I would yeah, I definitely let him have those yeah, three yeah. and see where we are after after that. Well, I think. I think what Saturday did, it meant that we don't need to panic. We yeah. don't need to sort of uh, rush in because we sort of found something that certainly at Goodison, at, at least, I wouldn't will, read too much work. into it, honestly. Chelsea were pathetic. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see how they go Sunday, seriously. You know, so where, I, no, I agree with that. Where can, where can we see the film? Um, well, you can um, you can see the film uh, all the the usual uh, places. Uh, you can see it, uh, download it on Sky Store and, and Amazon and iTunes uh, and Virgin, and you can buy it from HMV and Amazon. Um, and um, there's also some music. Did you know we got some music? We oh, got so the, an album of the yeah, yeah. The, the original music, which was uh, largely written by Keith Mullen from the Farm. Oh, okay. um, so, uh, and there's a single out there now called uh, Everton Forever, which I think he's doing quite well. You can pre-order that from iTunes as well. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Now, pull up a seat. Join us for Hop's hearty laughs and hospitality in the legendary Hawksby and Jacobs <laughs> Christmas Pub Garden, oh, thanks to the Green King. Garden. These are not garden conditions, but we are wearing quite a thick yeah. uh, Green King Christmas it's jumper. It's a bit muddier, isn't it, than it was in the summer? It certainly was. Yeah. It's uh, it's got it's got lights on it, as yeah. you know, these uh, jumpers. We got it, was, the, it was much noisier in the summer, wasn't it? It was more sort of like effects. There were like more that. effects, yeah, there were more of effects. Well, it's quite difficult to get a, a sort of off-the-shelf effects for a Christmas pub garden, isn't it, really? Because most people are in the pub keeping warm. But I say, the jumpers help. Yeah, and uh, as we had throughout the summer, the oh, good yeah, people at Green right. King have supplied us with just what we need after the Christmas party. Oh, yes, absolutely. The old hair of the dog. Yeah. And, uh, or, me at Fulham Broadway again. <laughs> the hair of the reindeer in this case, because uh, we've been given their Christmas beer, uh, the Rocking Rudolph. Cheers. Cheers. Mmm. Mmm. That bird's still That's singing. Better. He's That's still better. there. He's not hibernating yet. What about tinsel? No, yeah, tinsel, you have to turn up. So, the, the Rocking Rudolph, a dark, mm. full-bodied beer with fruity esters. You know some fruity esters? Oh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah. When you worked on backstage at That's Life. You used to present That's Life. I think so. Yeah. A bit of a, a quite a, mm. quite it's malty. Nice, it's quite like, malty, like isn't it? Malty. Well, that's what you want is it got toffee, Is it toffee notes, Andy? Are you mm. getting toffee notes? Mm. Yeah, I notice you're not spitting spit into a bucket. No, very nice. It. It's got you're going to start getting mm. punchy like you normally do, are you, when <laughs> no, you've had a drink? it's got vodka. It's got a crisp bit of finish. Yeah, you've got a crisp bitter finish. <laughs> Anybody cry. around Everton at the moment? <laughs> very came, bitter I finish. I came Rob Sloman there, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. <laughs> Unnecessary. <laughs> so anyway, you can try... I didn't think so. You can try rocking uh, Rudolph at your uh, Actually, local... I'm hoping they beat United on Sunday, yeah, really. sure you are, yeah. Chelsea. Try at your local Green King uh, throughout the uh, holiday season. But cheers. Mm. Uh, very Nice. Anyway, Andy, Cheers. We, um, yeah. maybe, and if you have a few more sips of that, mm. you'll get on the train and, and won't be able to find your way home. What's going on here? Oh, so it's a, some reason there's an, um, some US fire truck is, <laughs> is going past. That's that's some special betting offer, isn't it? <laughs> that's right. It's not a window of opportunity we weren't expecting, was it? So anyway, I've, I've got one for you. What's this? 
Okay. This is someone at NASA. Okay. <laughs> NASA Hussein's joined us now in the uh, in the pub garden. It's good. Yeah, it's very good of him. Uh, it's a company called Perfume Direct, and they produce. What do they do? Well, they make perfume. <laughs> okay, yeah. And yeah. you can buy this time of the year pigs in blanket perfume. Really? Scent of Stilton. Cool. Odor Christmas pudding. But they oh, definitely yeah. missed the trick. And they're odor sprouts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but none of them are great, <laughs> are they, really? Not really. That's when you normally get off about three o'clock. Yeah, that's very true. We, um, we've been getting some of your tales of uh, impromptu cab journeys, maybe when uh, the drink has been taken around the Christmas party. Uh, what have we got one here? Um, I worked as a... It's, even the tra- it's good to know the train drivers occasionally do it. Macca said, um, uh, I worked as a train driver. Started work at three in the morning. After work, went to the Christmas party, got the last train home, woke up still on the train in the sidings at about five in the morning. <laughs> in the so even sidings. the drivers staggered back to the station. At least you knew what to do, uh, Macca. Staggered back to the station two miles away, then got the first train uh, back at six in the morning. Wife not happy, he, he pointlessly adds. Well, right. <laughs> Yes, exactly. This is a celebrity one almost. Slogger says, once shared a taxi Mm. from Birmingham to Leeds after a Christmas party with Jeff Horsfield, the former striker, of course. He was all elbows in the back of the cab. (laughs) We think it was marking him from a corner. (laughs) I've no idea how much it cost. He paid for it, which was very good of him, I'm sure. I sit next to a football. Oh, no, that's right. I went to football with Jason. Jason's all elbows at football. Is it? Because I suppose they're they're every move, isn't it? Every move. If he's in the war, he's he's giving you a little dig, was he? It's exciting, yeah. <laughs> now, Peter Wright, Peter Snakebite Wright. Oh, yeah. We, uh, of course, part of the uh, big darts tournament starting tomorrow. Of course, the World yeah. Championships. We're all looking forward to that. We'll do a bit on it tomorrow. But uh, Peter's unveiled a new hairstyle, which is amazing. His wife does all these. Yeah. This is a snowman. It's a blue, sky blue, sort of basically, and white affair and with his mohawk, you know. Mm. And uh, But he's he's been talking, he says... It doesn't really echo the bloke he is. He said, I, it's not, I, yeah. He said, I'm really quite shy, because that's what we felt. We met him. We, we? Yeah, we, we met him a, a while back, and he came into the studio, and uh, he's a really quiet bloke. He, you, <laughs> you think you look at the shirt, yeah, you think he's going to be and the hair, you absolutely be, larger uh, than life. Amazing. Yeah, incredible. And, uh, and that's not what we got, was it? Um, somebody's being picky. I mentioned there's a Gillingham in Dorset, uh, apparently. Oh, yeah. mm. uh, and someone who will most certainly be sending in a clip of the week that will get played is uh, Anne Grenade. Anne Grenade. Somebody called Miss Anne, Anne Grenade. Grenade. Um, That's crazy. <laughs> good name, isn't it? She said, sorry to be picky, but the Gillingham in Dorset is, uh, the G is pronounced uh, like G in girl, so it's Gillingham. Oh, okay. So, okay, thank you, Anne. Uh, yes, for right, that, man. keep pull, the pin pull the in, pin. won't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was yeah. the uh, the two hundred five and the two thirty five at Taunton with the Dave Griddle <laughs> travel novices. Dave Griddle, Dave Criddle, I think it's Griddle or Criddle? I can't see. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a criddle or Griddle? Okay. I prefer um, Griddle. I prefer Griddle too. Yeah. Now, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I don't I, know. I quite like an urban myth being busted, and uh, I didn't really know this, but you you may when you walk around the streets of London. I'm expecting other cities in the UK too. Mm. Parakeets. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Parakeets. Yeah, we've got them around our way, yeah. Force the other birds out. And the urban myth was that Jimi Hendrix was blamed for the spread of parakeets in London, introducing... Who who put that out there? Jimi Hendrix... well, I don't want to say the first line is a bit much, but he said, he said it may have brought rock and roll to London, but according to a new study, he can no longer take credit for its booming parakeet population. Various legends have sprung up to explain the city's ring-necked parakeets, a species native to South Asia, 
One holds that Hendrix, gloriously stoned and of the opinion that his lime green parrot should be allowed to kiss the sky. I see, I get oh, it. I get it, yeah. Released a pair named Adam and Eve on Carnaby Street in 1968. The story implies they went forth and multiplied. Anyway, science, scientists have disproved this thing. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I'd never heard that. That's a new <laughs> one on me. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix parakeets had, had kicked it all off. <laughs> I really? that one either at all. What a corker. And watching TV is the lifestyle habit most strongly associated with overweight children. Well, you don't say. Okay. What more than running about and playing Not, football or anything like that? Yeah, it could well be right. Uh, another quick one of these. Will from mm. Ely says, uh, whilst, whilst on a trip to Cologne, uh, my friend stumbled back to the hotel, but not realising uh, he was there, jumped into a taxi outside and asked to be taken to his hotel. The driver tried to explain to him that he was actually already at his hotel, but he was having none of it. And in the end, the driver, mm. seeing he was on a, a losing battle, set off and just drove him round the block back to the hotel, <laughs> which he then accepted. Fantastic. Thank you very much <laughs> for that, good. Will. Keep those coming. Talksport.com, text 1889, tweet TSH&J. Best one we've had so far, the most expensive journey, 687 quid. Oh. The taxi driver uh, told us about it. Um, London to Chester, it was. And the bloke was so... <laughs> it wasn't Mr Parry, was just, it? Uh, OK, yep. Take me to Chester. And uh, he was asleep in the back of the cab for the whole journey. £687 for an impromptu taxi ride for someone who's uh, a bit tired and emotional after the Christmas do. Talksport.com, text 81089, tweet TSH&J. Keep those coming. We've got a special show for you on Christmas Day. Yeah, the best best clips of the year. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be... We, we've got a list of all the clips. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah. Uh, that's one to four Christmas Day. I know you'll be doing other stuff. That's right, yeah. Some of, the best, out. some of the best interviews and best clips of 2019. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. There we are. That was this afternoon's uh, show. From the world of music tomorrow, Jack Savaretti joins us in the studio, as does uh, the cricketer and commentator Mark Nicholas. So, until then... Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.